0: Haven't been in this facility yet. You haven't been here that long, right? I get to speak in a a lot of different churches, different uh, Christian denominations, and it's a a pleasure to do that. I'm just wondering: Do the Baptists know that the Lutherans scored a church with a pool in the back? I'm just, I just struck me this morning, like, oh, okay. I won't tell them if you don't. I won't tell. I will keep your secret. I'm just saying. (laughs) Sorry, (laughs) I couldn't help it. It is a pleasure always to be among you and to bring uh, the Word of God um, in, in what little measure I can bring it. Uh, I ask the Holy Spirit to do that among us. I must thank you for the support you have provided for uh, this little Healthy Start family for a year now. Our little guy turns two in just a couple days. In the timing of God, interesting. This has been on the books for a while that I would be here today and. <laughs> Little guy's birthday is coming up. So I bring you greetings from them, although they don't know who you are. Isn't that lovely? She is blown away by the anonymity of this that we're doing together. That She says this all the time. They don't even know me. Why are they doing this? They don't know me. Why are they doing this? She's been asking that since the beginning. And, and I remember, I, maybe I shared this with you. Our very first visit, she said, I just feel so blessed. I said, well, honey, you are. <laughs> and she goes, no, no, no. I, I feel blessed. I said, you are. Because well, they don't know me. I know. <laughs> isn't, that, isn't that the grace of God that reaches out to us when we're like, we don't deserve it. Right? Right. But are we blessed? Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's just, it's just a beautiful picture of uh, mercy and grace uh, extended through God's people to his people. And um, it's been a joy to, to minister to her. Uh, I was sharing with Deb this morning, she is finally now ready to come to church. She is ready to come to church. It's taken me a year <laughs> of nurturing and walking alongside her, and, and she's been afraid to come, but she just shared this last week. She's Ready. So we'll see what God has, uh, what door open for her. I'm excited to see what will happen. Well, let's see what God has for us this morning. Uh, I'm going to read from John's uh, Gospel, chapter 9, a familiar story, I'm sure, uh, the story of the man uh, born blind and how Jesus deals with him. And I'm going to do that, but I'm going to look at it from a little bit different angle today as well. So um, let me start, though, uh, John, chapter 9, verse verse 1. As he went along, Jesus, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus, but this happened so that the work of God might be displayed in his life. As long as it is day, we must do the work of him who sent me. Let's remember that one, him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. You may have noticed in scripture when Jesus uses one of those I am statements, a miracle follows. I am the light of the world. He's going to heal a blind man. I am the bread of life. He feeds the multitudes. Right? He, he does that. He sets us up. I am the light of the world. Having said this, he spit on the ground. This is a babyfold favorite story for this very reason right here. Jesus spits. Okay. Um, it's, a, it's a favorite. Just saying. Having said this, he spit on the ground, made some mud with the saliva, and put it on the man's eyes. Go, he told him. Wash in the pool of Sidawam. And, and John gives us little parentheses. This word means sent. Capital S. One of the names of Jesus is sent. So the one who was sent is sending him to the pool named Sent, Just saying. So the man went and washed and came home seeing. His neighbors and those who had formerly seen him begging asked, Isn't this the same man he used to sit and beg? Some of them claimed he was. Some of them claimed he was. Oh, I'm going to stop right there. We'll get to the rest of it in good time here. But... Um, Again, we want to take an eye test for ourselves. And we know this man gets healed, and I'm going to talk about that in a minute. But we're going to do a little eye test on ourselves. We're going to tune into Jesus' behavior and the behavior of that of the Pharisees. What do they do in this situation? I want to start today with a story that is not mine. I usually tell my stories because I have plenty of them, but this one struck me. Uh, This is from uh, the great author Maya Angelou. And I'm going to read it in her own words. This is a, an encounter that she had. She says this, and this was years ago. She's, this was my first trip to Morocco. I was with a production of Porgy and Bess, and it was with the, I was traveling with the singers and the dancers. At the time, I didn't have Arabic. She didn't speak Arabic. So I was really a bit crippled, but I did have French, and I mumbled with French, pointing a lot. A group of black men, older men, beckoned to me. I went to them across a really ugly, dirty, empty lot where they had some tents pitched in the lot. I stood beside them and found that they didn't speak Arabic either. I had Spanish and French. They didn't. I didn't have any other language that they spoke, so I bowed a lot and smiled a lot. (laughs) And just as I was preparing to go, one of the oldest men shouted to a woman, I didn't understand the language, but I knew it was an order, and the woman came back bringing a small cup of coffee. The men were crouched down, and she had been taught to keep her head lower than elder men, and so she was crouched to the ground as well, and she noticed bugs on the ground all around her feet, lots of bugs in this dirty, empty lot. She said, it's like the Turkish coffee or an espresso smell. She could smell from the cup. The woman brought it and gave it to me. I looked at her feet and again saw all sorts of bugs running around, but I had to drink it. So I took a sip and thought, I have a cockroach on my tongue. What to do? I was with these men and this one woman and i was raised by a grandmother in alabama and i in arkansas and i knew how to behave in front of older people so i just opened my mouth and swallowed the whole cup of coffee with four or five cockroaches in it i held myself i bowed i smiled and i left through the parking lot with the broken cans and glass and old pieces of furniture and got to a building and just as I got beyond their sight I let nausea have its way. I must have had to relieve myself in this way 10 times over the next month or so. I finally arrived in another town back in France and I saw an old reader's digest. In the Digest, there was an article about African nomads who traveled to the north all the way past the Sahara into the cities of Morocco and Algeria and Egypt. They live by bartering, so they don't have much money. With the little cash they do have, they would buy raisins. In order to honor a visitor, they would put four raisins into a cup of coffee this little coffee, this Turkish coffee. And as if someone hit me over the head with a brick, I realized those men had honored me by putting raisins in my coffee. I was not only a woman, I was young, I didn't speak their language, they didn't know anything about me. And yet, they honored me and for almost two months, I kept in my mind that those were cockroaches. I'd made myself sick, and here, the people had honored me. Paradigm shift, right? When you have a little more information, things change, right? Can you imagine? I mean, we were all a little bit nauseous. I'm like, as I was reading her book, I'm like, oh, I would, I would have, you know, paradigm shift. We think we have read correctly. Our situation, given the information that we have, we we think we know. We may occasionally have to have a brick to the head moment, like Maya had, that opens our eyes more than we have known. Our sight can easily be restricted as we look through our own lens of culture, our upbringing, our values, and we think our view of the kingdom is. I think we can all agree when we think of kingdom we're looking through a tiny little lens, right? I mean we have a lens around our culture and who we are and how we were brought up and what we think we know even what we know of scripture it's still it's not going to it's not going to cover it all is it? I mean at best if we're looking at kingdom things there's a lot of stuff outside our lens that we don't know we don't know that cockroaches just might be raisins We just don't know. Our lens is too small to get our eyes open. We need to look, learn how to look past our obvious, the obvious, the exterior, the what we think we know, into what's really going on. I'm going to give you a couple examples of crazy behavior. I mean, we'll all agree this behavior we're going to show here is crazy. I wouldn't dare do it with people. It's dogs. Okay, so let's look at some crazy dog behavior. Come on, buddy. You can do it. Come on. Come on, Artie. Come on, Artie. It's. A, I know you have to step over it. Oh, <laughs> it's. It's scary.
1: <laughs>
0: Wait for it. <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy, right? But what's Artie feeling? It's not crazy. He's just scared, right? That's fear. We can look at crazy behavior and think, that's just nuts. That dog would be nuts. There's something wrong with that dog. No, that dog's just scared. Let's look at another one.
1: Okay, everybody. So Harley and Loa are both currently in trouble. Although I believe that only one of them did the dirty little deed. So Harley and Loa i need one of you to tell me what the other one did i need you to rat the other one out now loa i know you love your brother and it would hurt you to turn us in. and gnarly i know you love your sister you don't want to get her in trouble however whatever one of you turns the other one in i will be easy on if you turn your brother or sister in You will not be punished, okay? So, I know it's going to be hard. I know it's going to be heartbreaking. I know it's going to be one of the most difficult decisions you've ever made in your life. To turn your brother or your sister in. I will give you plenty of time to think about it. I'll ask a question. I'll walk away. I'll give you some time to agonize over it. To search your soul. To figure out what the right answer is going to be within your heart. I will give you the opportunity to do the right thing. I know it's going to take some time, but think about it. Think about doing the right thing, guys. So now I ask you, who took the cookie off the counter? <laughs> or maybe you didn't hear me. Maybe you didn't understand how difficult this question is and how difficult So I'm gonna ask you again, Harley. Because I know that this is one of the most difficult things you've ever done. I ask you again, guys. Who stole the cookie off the counter? (laughs) Loa, do you have anything to say? Speak up for yourself. Loa, (laughs) Harley. Harley, third time is a charm. If it wasn't your sister, we're just gonna forget everything that you just said. This is agonizing, Harley. This is difficult. So I'm gonna ask you one last time. Who stole the cookie off the counter?
0: <laughs> Little rat, don't you love it? <laughs>
1: sell out. <laughs> Take a bow, sell out.
0: Seen that kind of behavior before? <laughs> a little bit crazy. Who here just does not like a tattletale? Right? Oh, it's so annoying when a kid's a tattler. Oh, hate that. What rotten behavior that is. Don't be a tattletale, right? You know what? In my work with kids, you know who the tattletales are? They're very often the kid that's just so sick of being the one that gets the spotlight turned on them for their behavior. Somebody's always, I mean, they're always, and they are messing up. It's the, it's the ill-behaved child, right? They're always messing up and somebody's always saying, Billy did that or Susie did that. Or, and they're, you know, people are pointing a, a spotlight on their bad behavior all the time. And if they can catch somebody else doing something, man, they can't wait to take the pressure off themselves. Let's all look at somebody else for a second. She stole the cookie. She did it. I ate the garbage last night, but she stole the cookie, right? They can't wait. Just can somebody please take the spotlight off of me just for a second and let me help you put it on somebody else, right? I got one more example of crazy behavior. My okay,
1: we'll do one more sequence and then we'll stop. that'd
0: be crazy that'd be crazy (laughs) and we can laugh when it's a dog (laughs) but I've seen that behavior don't you take this from me I have so little don't you take anything away from me and they can hurt themselves in the attempt to protect what they have. That dog doesn't even know he's hurting himself, right? In his effort to protect what he has. My bone, don't you dare, even though it's his own foot, right? It's weird. But I've seen that behavior in people, too. When we encounter unfamiliar or bizarre behavior, we would do well to take a moment and get some information, ask some questions. Find out what's really going on. Get our, get our eyes open. Open our lens a little bit and find out what's really going on. Um, let's go to... now. I'm, I'm going to tell you a story. I wasn't going to do it, but I'm going to do it now. This is about me. I always have to confess. God makes me do this stuff. <laughs> um, I got my lens opened again and again and again this week. I was with a, a family, um, grandmother, mother, and son living in a small town in central Illinois. I won't tell you where. Um, and they're getting our services because this kid's in big trouble um, with uh, his behavior. Uh, he's having trouble at school, in the neighborhood. He's, he's kind of a, he described himself as an anger kid. That's how he described himself. I'm an anger kid. So I went to meet with this mom, and the grandmother was there as well. And this is my first visit with this kid. He's 10 years old, African American. He's, he's biracial, actually, um, going to his little public school. In this small town. And so I met with mom for a little bit, who is um, very literate, very with it. She had all of her paperwork ready, and I was surprised by that. Shame on me. <laughs> we pulled into the mobile home estate, I use that word generously, where they live. And I always sit in my car before I meet a family. I, I always do this because I, I know, I know how easy it is to have my biases and my values rise to the top. When I'm visiting with families that are so different than what I grew up with, and I always ask God, "Don't let me judge. Don't let me bring anything but grace and love to this family. Don't let me be a channel of that. No judgment. Just bring on the compassion, and then we'll go from there. We'll bring in some hope." So I prayed that, and I, you know, I just I try to get all my bias on lockdown before I go. So I went into the was invited into the home, and I noticed, like so often. Um, with these families who are struggling with poverty, um, the room is dark. It's always dark. And I thought, why don't these people just open their windows and let some sunshine in? It, it was a lovely summer day. Why aren't the windows open? Let some air in here. Right? And then I realized if everybody in that uh, neighborhood did that, if they opened their windows, their windows are this far away from their neighbors. Everybody's in your business. Everybody would hear everything of everybody. I mean, it's not, they need some privacy. So that's why, and I reminded Lori, stop it. That's that, they're protecting themselves. I get that. I like my privacy too. So mom was there, grandma was there, uh, but the child was not, he was out playing. And I thought, oh boy, here we go. It's gonna be a great first meeting. Cause now we gotta bring him in from play to meet me. And he's never met me before, but that's okay. Mom called him and said, you know, son, uh, come on home. Um, the nice lady from the baby fold is here. I could hear him, oh my, I mean, as any 10-year-old would, right, I expected that, didn't take it personally, but he's like mad, I'm doing, I'm fixing somebody's bike, and blah, 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 she said, hon, you need to come home, so I could hear him still ranting, she hung up, (laughs) and that's fine, I said, it's okay, you know, as long as he comes, I'm okay with it, I'm not going to worry about whatever got him here, okay, if he needs to, rant his way in he's still compliant he's coming home right so he came in kind of stomped in took one glance at me and sat down on the couch slash bed in their little space there it kind of had his back to me i thought well that's okay because he doesn't know me from nobody and i'm gonna have to you know kid whisper you know gonna have to be a kid whisperer bring this you know i gotta do that and do that so i'm talking to mom and i'm talking to him a little bit and grandma's chiming in a little bit and um I noticed that he's very fidgeting. He's fidgeting with something. And in the dark, I can't see what it is, but I'm like, I figure it's like a fidget spinner or one of those fidget things, you know, that we're doing nowadays for kids who have attention deficit problems, and he does. And so I thought, oh, well, that's actually kind of a good coping skill. I'm glad he's doing that. Good, he's fidgeting away. I can't really see, he's got his back to me, but he's starting to turn a little bit. He's starting to talk about school and, you know, school's coming up and, you know, how's that gonna be, and he just, was so sad his lens on things he said "Um, I don't like school because school doesn't like me and get this this will break your heart he said the teachers hate me I said oh honey no they they hate me they hate um, the not white kids they hate the trailer kids and they hate the anger kids and I said honey I'm just sure that's not true I said I might feel that way to you, but you know what? Can we can we use a different word for that? I said they probably they might not understand you. So can you help them understand you, right? Because no teacher they don't hate him, but that's his lens. And I'm looking at his mom, and his mom's like, so there there's something there, right? Okay, so he's start he's turning turning. And so I finally am eye to eye with him. I'm, my eyes are adjusting to the dark. I can actually see him, and he's he's still fidgeting with something and he's talking about school and all this kind of stuff and that he's fixing bikes and I'm trying to build on build on strengths that's what we do you can fix bikes wow that's so cool and we're talking about that and then I look and I can see what he has in his hand it's a Rubik's Cube and it is solved I said oh time out hold the phone what do you got there buddy he's like oh it's a Rubik's Cube and I said, and you just did that? He said, yeah. I looked at his mom, because I don't believe it, right? This is a kid with school problems and anger issues. Uh, huh? Right? And I look at mom and I go, did he really do that? She's like, oh, yeah, he can do that. He didn't peel the labels off like I did? Like, <laughs> really? So, I look, so I, look, I look at him and I said, wait a second, bud. you got to tell me how you did that, because honestly, I don't know. Does anybody else know how to do it? I do not know how to do it. Never have figured it out. Okay, this kid did it, he goes, well, it's the, you have to figure out the algorithms. What? He, and I said, what do you mean by that? Because I'm thinking, okay, kids know big words. I still don't believe it, right? Kids know big words. He goes, There's, you gotta get the algorithm. I said, well, I don't understand that word. Tell me about that. Because I really don't. <laughs> and he said, well, first, okay, let me explain this. He takes another Rubik's Cube, a smaller one, and he says, first you need to figure out the parody I said, break that down for me. He said, well, you know, if it's the lower left-hand corner, Parody says that if you turn it, it'll be the upper right-hand corner on the other side. And he said, there are 56 algorithms (coughs) to the Rubik's Cube. Right? This troubled kid having difficulty in school, smarter than me. Smarter than me? I'm like, wow. I said, that's what you need to be showing the teachers, to help them understand you. That kind of stuff. And and he, and he by the way, he knows Jesus. Grandma takes him to church. Mom goes to church. They go on Sundays and Wednesdays. They go. So he's plugged in. But do you see my bias that cooked up this anger kid, this kid with attention deficit, this kid with issues, living in the wrong place. The rock, Open your eyes, Lori. Open your eyes. Lens open your lens, okay. Let's get to the account of the blind man and look at it through a different lens. As, as you've heard, I'm sure you know the story. Jesus, you know, coming along, he sees this man who's been blind from birth. The disciples say a ridiculous question, Who sinned this man or his mom, or his parents? And Jesus is like, Neither one. You know, the disciples are looking through uh, this odd lens that back in the day they believed that, that things like that happened because of sin. And so he says, "No, no, no! It's not sin. It's so that God can be glorified." And so Jesus, you know, it says Jesus never went out of his way to help anybody. He he never did. He is the way. Uh, he he uh, never had to go out of his way. So in typical fashion, the disciples miss Jesus' compassion and begin to ask these questions. You know, who sinned, whatever, and uh, how often do we blame, blame, excuse me blame the victim, right? Who 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 got themselves into this mess? What sin caused this mess? What sin caused this problem? I hear that too, that the baby full kids, you know, well, you should see his family. Or, you know, honestly, he comes by it. Honestly, I've heard, you know, blah, blah, blah. So easy for all of us to inquire about somebody else's sin, isn't it? Easy. But Jesus says, neither. It's not about sin or blame. It's about an opportunity that God's work might be displayed. And again, Jesus says, I'm the light of the world. And he's going to prove it. So here's the good part. Jesus spits on the ground, okay, um, and puts the saliva, makes mud out of the saliva, and puts it on the man's eyes. Now, why did he do it that way? Jesus could have done something much holier than that. See my child. I mean, he could have. I mean, anything. But why the, <laughs> why the spit in the mud? Why that? And I mean, it's kind of gross. He could have done anything much more holy-looking than that. But he's doing it for a particular reason. He is choosing to break a Sabbath rule that was created by the Pharisees. He's doing it on purpose because this miracle occurs on the Sabbath, as do many of his miracles. He breaks it on purpose. Not God's holy law, certainly not that, but the Pharisaical additions that they added on. Because they had this rule that you couldn't spit on the Sabbath. because. It might land in dirt, which might roll downhill, which might create mud, which is considered work. It's a stretch, isn't it? But it was rule, okay? So he does that. Um, Not anointing oil, not, you know, special blessing. Nope. Um, He uses what's at hand, mud, spit, puts it on the man's eyes, and the scent one sends the man to the pool called scent and behold he sees and his neighbors and those who are locals who had seen the man blind and begging in the streets asks isn't this that blind guy (laughs) some say yes and some say it it can't be It, it can't be they can only see this man as a blind man they only recognize him as a blind man they don't recognize him as a seeing man and the seeing man interrupts the discussion he says I am the man. That is the first words of his his personal testimony. That's going to stack up against the Pharisaical law. He begins his testimony. No, it's me. And so the Pharisees ask, "How were your eyes opened? How? How did it happen? See how they're looking at process? How did it happen?" He replied. The man, they called Jesus, made some mud, put it on my eyes, and he told me to go to the pool and wash. I went and washed, and now I see. Where is this man, they ask. I don't know, says the formerly blind man, because he's never seen him. Right? He has no idea what he looks like. Just, I don't know. So here come the Pharisees and the Jews bring the man to the Pharisees and there's this interesting new detail added here that gives us a clue to what the Pharisees are going to focus on. On the, Verse 14, On the day in which Jesus made the mud and opened the eyes was the Sabbath. This is what the Pharisees are going to focus in on. Not the miracle. That this man was born blind who's never seen a day in his life now sees they're not paying attention to that. Oh, it's the Sabbath. How did he do it? Who did it? When? when? The Pharisees asked him how he received his sight. He put mud on my eyes. I washed and now I see. Aha, they've caught Jesus again. He's breaking the Sabbath because of that whole mud is work thing. The Pharisees made up thousands of rules so that they could follow them and make others look bad that don't. Right? They, they did that to, to supplement the law. And so they're missing the point. Again, the most important question and so and Jesus' disciples even focused on sin and blame at first right? The neighbors focused on reason and confusion unsure of what happened the the Pharisees focused on their man-made rules and regulations and keeping their position of power and authority the follow the law and be good lens the Pharisees continued to interrogate the man born blind. They ask what he has to say about Jesus. And the, the man previously blind said, he is a prophet. Notice the progression. When he was first asked about Jesus, he says he's a man. Now prophet. The man's physical eyes are opened and his spiritual eyes are gaining focus as well. And the Pharisees say, well, how can a sinner Perform miracles. This man who spit and made mud, how that doesn't fit in their lens. It doesn't fit. How could a man who makes mud on the Sabbath do a miracle? It doesn't fit. Their lens is small. The Pharisees are not convinced. In fact, they are angered by this response. So they send for the man's parents and ask them, again, how is it that your, man can, that your son can see? How, how is it? Terrified of the Pharisees, who would excommunicate them if they acknowledged Jesus as Messiah, spoke only the safest facts. He's our son. He was born blind, but chose not to get involved in the business of who Jesus is or what that's about. They wimp out, (laughs) throw their poor son under the bus, and they say, ask him. He's of age. Ask him. The parents' focus is the fear of being a social outcast. Their lens is fear. So again, the Pharisees summon the man born blind, give glory to God, which means basically tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. That's what that means. You're not really asking him to glorify God. They say, we know Jesus is a sinner. Jesus is outside their lens. He's outside. We know Jesus is a sinner. The poor man responds, I don't know if he's a sinner or not. All I know is I was blind, and now I see. As if to say, let's get back on our line of questioning, change the subject away from the miracle and back onto what Jesus did. They say, answer this. What did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? Back to method. The man is tired of answering their questions. He gets a little smart-alecky. He says, why do you want to hear it again? Do you want to be his disciples too? <laughs> Sassy pants. Now they're really mad. <laughs> you are steeped in sin from birth. How dare you lecture us. And they threw him out. Excommunicated him. The Pharisees encounter Jesus and they say, they say to the man, You are this fellow's disciple. We are disciples of Moses we've got the right lens on you don't we are disciples of Moses we know that God spoke to Moses but for this fellow we don't even know where he's from he's outside their lens they don't even know Jesus heard about this and went looking for the man I love that the scent again Jesus heard about this and went looking for the man, again showing compassion. He finds him and asks him, Do you believe in the Son of Man? Who is he, sir? Tell me, so that I may believe in him. Jesus says, You have now seen him. He is talking to you now. And the man said, Lord, I believe. And he worshiped Jesus. Spiritual eye opening is complete. Jesus was man, then prophet, now Lord. And I watch this progression of light and sight uh, with children and families the baby fold all the time. I I ask them to draw pictures of God for me. Um, And they're very telling. Uh, When I first get them, I ask them, uh, draw a picture of Jesus, and I give them just a blank piece of paper, and they can draw anything they want on there. And then I asked them to draw a picture of themselves on that same page. It's very telling. Uh, A lot of the kids draw God as a superhero. You know, Jesus is a superhero. He's going to save me. Save me, Jesus. He's a superhero. You know, he's so much more than that. Or or the the elderly grandfather type. I had uh, one African American girl, she was about 12 years old, 11, 12, uh, and she drew this very, filled the page with this very large black woman. And I said, tell me about your picture of God. I'm like, i like, I can go there, you know. Tell me about your picture of God. And she said, uh, actually, I said, well, who is this? And she goes, well, it's God. And I said, okay, well, well, tell me about this. And she goes, well, she lives in Rockford. <laughs> who knew? And she was dead serious, dead serious. I'm like, really? I said, I've been to Rockford, never in Cal-. She goes, oh, yeah, she lives in Rockford. You can go anytime. I'm like, I'm so going to Rockford. I don't know. I don't know where that came from. But it's very telling to see... Is God big? Is God little? Sometimes God and them are the same size, sometimes God is huge, and they're just a little mist in the corner. It it varies from kid to kid. But it's interesting to see how their God grows as we work together. Um, Yeah, okay, I gotta keep going. Um, So how's your lens? I hope it's bigger than mine was just just a week or so ago when I went to that little trailer park. We need to open it up because there's a whole lot of God that resides outside of our little lens. And Jesus never gave up one ounce of his divinity or integrity when he stepped outside his expectation to reach out to people around him. We can reach out to people unlike us, like this little family that you're caring for, and we don't lose a bit of integrity as Christians by doing that. I think some people are kind of afraid we're going to lose something if we associate with those who are not just like us. If it, we stay in our little Christian bubble and you know, you can't, don't, don't talk to somebody that's not like that, that we'll lose something of our faith. We can't lose our faith over that. We're not going to run out of grace, are we? constant flow of that. we got plenty to give away. Splash it off on somebody that's not like you. We need to get out of our little bubbles and our prepositions that we, we know. The Pharisees, we know. No, you don't. They knew what they knew. And you know what? I have to give them a little bit of, a little bit of credit. I know Jesus had some unkind things to say about the Pharisees, and, uh, but, but they were doing the best they could of what they have and with what they know our families are that's what we are doing the best we can with what we have and with what they know they were trying to defend the faith they understood i get that we got to open our lens though so we can include others and let our grace flash over on them he never jesus never lost one ounce of himself when he touched the untouchable those that others would shun our grace only multiplies when we give some away in service to others so i want to thank you again for loving this young family. Um, that you will never know. That she doesn't know you, but through your channel of grace to her, she is blossoming. She is. She's doing so well. She's going to graduate from our program here soon. Because you know we don't enable people for their lifetime. We launch them. Let's get you stable. Let's teach you some stuff. I've been waiting for the get in church piece, and then she's gonna. We're gonna launch her pretty soon. Because she can do it. And we'll go on to the next one, and the next one, and the next one. Again, we don't want to like hang on to people and teach them to be dependent. That's not the point. Self-sufficiency. Let's teach you how to do that. Get your self-respect back. Get your confidence back. Get you back in my part, the faith piece. Get that back intact. Repair that, and you can go. You'll be fine. So again, thank you for that. Only God understands the impact. I can tell you as an eyewitness, though, to the miracle that mom has gone from man, prophet, Lord. She's done that. Man, for this Jesus. Man, prophet, Lord. And she's ready to show her son as well. To God be the glory for that. Amen.